Hi, you're listening to The Dive, brought to you by Living Word Press, starting right now. Hi, welcome back to The Dive. We're back for another question this week. I'm here with Dr. Josh Waldman, Dr. Gary Yates. I'm your host, Brett Yates. We have a fun passage, unless maybe you lipped it. Uh, but the fun is relevant. Yeah, yeah it for sure doesn't is. sound fun. Yeah. But. Uh, what do we do with an angry God who sends bears to maul children? Yeah, the passage we're talking about is 2 Kings right. chapter 2, uh, verses 23 to 25. And this is a story about the prophet Elisha. So let, let's just read, what the te- read the text because it may not be that familiar to, uh, to some of you. But it says in verse 23, he or Elisha went up from there to Bethel. And while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him and said, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. And he turned around and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Uh, So Elisha seems kind of sensitive here. (laughs) And uh, two she bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. And from there, he, Elisha, went on to Mount Carmel, and from there, he returned to Samaria. So there it is. It's a pretty intense passage, and when we hear it read there, I can't help but to think that there are certain details that bear repeating, uh, pun intended. You're welcome for that. (laughs) Yep, dad joke. Um, With that, so when we are talking about little boys, small boy, young boys, are we talking about, and this is part of some of the, the discussion here, is like, talking about children are we talking about teenagers or are we talking about young men yeah what's the age of these kids and that that obviously has to do with uh, you know their responsibility i i haven't heard too many sermons about this passage so maybe uh, maybe that'll be the next step in this i but but yeah there's two terms the word small boys and then um and then another word for boys in verse 24 and and the the Hebrew there is uh, for the small boys is this ne'arim ketanim and the word na'ar for young boy is actually is pretty wide ranging word. It can go from really young children all the way to there are soldiers and um, you know uh, slaves and servants that are referred to as not are. So, but the the small part of this seems to indicate that they are fairly young. But I, I would also say over in First Kings chapter three seven, this is exactly the same uh, expression that Solomon uses to talk about himself as he's becoming the king of Israel. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I'm just a I'm just a small boy." So we're probably talking about a young man, maybe of an unmarriageable age and that sort of thing. And the word boys, you know, yeladim, again, this seems like something, you know, we're talking about pretty young on the younger side. But that's also the word that is used over in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, to talk about Daniel and his friends. So they're obviously at at probably a stage in adolescence where they can make moral decisions and, and, uh, you know, they're taken off on their own and they make the decision not to... Uh, follow the dictates of the the Babylonians and that sort of thing. So we're not we're not talking about uh, kindergartners here. We're talking maybe teenagers. Would yeah. that be fair to say? Yeah, I think young adolescents, uh, potentially twelve, thirteen, and and remember, uh, you know, a maturity and accountability. I think comes in at a younger age uh, in, in this culture. In this culture, well, but right. also some of those lines of when you're morally accountable. You know that's a that's a cultural decision, but God's in the the better position to make those calls as to when someone's accountable. Right, right. and and it's not it's not little children chanting a nursery rhyme, right. or you know, uh, uh, and I think there's even more than they're they're not just mocking his appearance or his. Well, male, let's let's talk about that because baldness. Yeah, I mean, we're we're insult as far as insults go. This is pretty lame the, <laughs> about the bald head. Surely, there's more to it than just. 
yeah. baldness. What, what do you got on that? I, I would say there's, um, I, I think there's three potential things that are going on. Again, and it's not just his appearance. Uh, the bald head thing may be a, a contrast to Elijah because Elijah is a hairy man. <laughs> and uh, Elisha here is, is coming on as his successor. So by calling him a, a bald man here and a bald head, they may be implying like, hey, you're not really as not, good. You're not, yeah, you're not up to standards here. Right. Like you can't really truly be a reformed pastor without like a deep, you know, <laughs> that's where all thick, the wisdom yeah, grows. All to. that thick beard yeah. and all that. So it, that may be part of it. I, the other part of it is go up uh, in the reference to Bethel here. Um, there's a sanctuary at Bethel that was one of the sort of the apostate sanctuaries. They may be telling him to go up and worship at this place that Elijah and Elisha have been sort of uh, reticent to, to, to worship at. And I wonder if you go back to the very beginning of chapter two, it says, now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven mm. and to go up, I, are they mocking uh, Elisha's account of what happened to Elijah? It's like, like we don't really believe this uh, mm-hmm. ridiculous story that you've told us about the ascension of, uh, of Elijah. So I think there's sort of a mocking, jeering, sort of uh, rebellious uh, treatment of a messenger of God. And that, that's a serious issue. Well, and so there's a, there's a taunt, and right. that taunt or jeer, uh, we see some translations with that, but you get this idea. It's not just mocking uh, the prophet of God, but also the God of the prophet to a, dirt, a certain degree here, right? I mean, my understanding is that you know these these are children of those that are essentially pagan worshipers at this particular point that the prophet is speaking out against, right? And this is a culture mm-hmm. that's this is the backlash, yeah. And I think it's important to remember, like with this passage, we're not thinking about like one or two. Like the passage even says in terms of how many are mauled by bears, 42, there might've even been more than that. Right. So it's a, it's a huge crowd of people that are teenagers. It's not like they're just, um, you know, small kids. And this is like a street gang. Of <laughs> yeah. Sort. It's like a, a roving gang of right. uh, ruffians or something like right. that. <laughs> uh, right. And, and they're, they're rebellious against um, the Lord and against, and, and a prophet is a messenger of God. So the way that you treat a prophet ultimately reflects the way that you respond to God. The word of the prophet and the person of the prophet are, are tied together. So this is a rejection, I, I think, of the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. And Elijah and Elisha's ministry was to call the people back to covenant renewal, back to their commitment to Yahweh and away from the uh, you know, the Baal worship that uh, Ahab's family has Right. has promoted and and I think they're they're rejecting that. The way they treat um, Elisha is very different from uh, you see this group of, of prophets down in uh, Jericho back in verse 15 and it says the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha and they came out to meet him and they bowed down on the to the ground before him. Mm-hmm. That's the way you respond to a prophet of God. Uh, it's not this mocking jeering, uh, hostile response. And where did they get that? Right. They got and, it from, yeah. And the culture around them and so forth. And, you know, we, we recognize that in the text, like the, the reason this example is being brought to bear in the text, there it is again, the pun. <laughs> uh, the reason that this example is because we're, what's being demonstrated is that this is the prophet of God that's taking up the mantle from Elijah. And so, you know, I don't think that the text even recognizes this as a problem. 
it's really modern readers that are reading this and saying, oh, why is God allowing the, the killing, the mauling of these teenagers? And I, to me, it's that rub, it's that tension that I think is inherently problematic because it, to a certain degree, it, it fails to recognize that, yes, sin is severe. And if you mock God and rebel against God, God is in a, a, a perfectly fair position to, to judge you. You know, I mean, uh, anytime that uh, you are accountable, accountable for your actions, even at a young age. Yeah. And, and I, we, we did a discussion about does God visit the sins of uh, parents on children? This is an example of how this works out. Mm-hmm. The rebellion of these parents. And, and, you know, we have the associations with uh, Bethel, which was, you know, Jeroboam when he broke away from Judah. Bethel was one of the places where he put one of these apostate sanctuaries that had the golden calf. So there's that level of apostasy. Then there's the Baal worship of Ahab and his family. On top of that, there's a reference to Samaria in the chapter. Like northern Israel has turned away from God here. Right. And um, there's a tendency, I, I think, sometimes to say, well, you know, the angry God of the Old Testament who becomes irrationally angry and uh, you know, there's a lot, even in sort of evangelical uh, circles today, kind of almost sort of a Marcionism when we think about right. the God of the Old Testament. Uh, he's a genocidal general. Or, we need to unhitch from yeah. the Old Testament and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think what you said is right, though, is instead what we've got to, like, we need to see what these texts teach us about, you know, not, don't read it through your modern sensibilities. Right. Read this and let it confront your modern perspective. We've forgotten, again, I think, how serious sin is. Um, and looking at this as being something that is sort of irrational, uh, actually, if you go back to the covenant that God established with Israel, this was exactly one of the covenant curses that God said he would bring against. Mm. So le- let me, Leviticus 26, 21 and 22 the Lord says, if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, and I will I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins, and I will let loose the wild beast against you, which shall bereave you of your children and destroy your livestock and make you few in number, so that your road shall be deserted. So this isn't like just some impulsive thing that God did. Uh, it's not um, a prophet who has... Uh, you know, these powers that he misuses here. This is God very deliberately carrying out the disciplines and punishments that he said he would do from the very beginning. It's perfectly consistent action with the rest of what we see in the Old Testament in that respect. But, you know, part of part of where that question of, you know, what do we do with this Old Testament angry God and everything like that? We need to disconnect from that because we're New Testament Christians and all of that. I think that, that that's coming from a place where we as modern thinkers and interpreters of Scripture are sort of elevating our own sense of moral intuition above the revelation that God's provided us in the text. And what we're saying is, you know, hey, we we don't like the Old Testament God. We're saying, well, we know better about what's right and wrong and how to judge that than God does. And in in effect, we're committing some of the same sorts of rebellious, um, you know, intent that we see of those being judged. It's, and, it's interesting, right? I, yeah, and I think in the end, we we end up minimizing the greatness of God, and in our sometimes in our lifestyle, as a result of that, we become more like the culture around us than the people that God says, "You shall be holy, for I am holy." So right. I, I think there's 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 a pretty pretty good warning here for us as well. And I think you guys were hinting at that. Is it possible that God also 
in these moments of transition, right? So we're going from Elijah who had his authority established. Obviously, we're transitioning to Elisha. There's other parts in the Bible where we see God act more, you know, supernaturally or, you know, with a stronger hand because he's trying to reestablish his authority. But certainly a reinforcement of, of right. you know, the, the prophet of God. I mean, even in the time of the New Testament, we see some incredible acts that right. go in, go into effect as, you know, the, this new revelation is being provided and so forth. So I think that that principle extends back to the old as well. Um, we're, we're hoping in our uh, podcast and here at Living Word Press, we want to deal with some of these issues related to the God of the Old Testament. I, I, I'll say one last thing about this is that these stories are there and, and they're somewhat troubling and problematic. But, but I think it's also important to remember that they're not the primary way that God is. True. Uh, you know, we, we, we see the God who is abounding in loving kindness. And after the golden calf incident, when he could have just wiped Israel out, or when they rebel and refuse to go up to the land, he, he's merciful and gracious. I, I, I think you have to read the God of the Old Testament through that grid rather than, hey, we're going to pull out all these passages where we don't like, uh, you know, God responding in anger and wrath and those kinds of things. And I think it's the difference between reading with a hermeneutic of trust and uh, belief in the God of it rather than a hermeneutic of suspicion, which where we, we sort of stand over the Old Testament and say, wow, this you know primitive book, primitive God, mm-hmm. uh, aren't you glad we've kind of grown beyond that? It's a good point. Okay. So like you guys, I'll be Googling a hermeneutic after this and trying to figure <laughs> out what he just Herman said. What you say? <laughs> But anyways, thank you for joining us this week on The Dive. We'll be back again next week. If you have your own questions you'd like answered in a future episode, go ahead and tweet at us or X at us, uh, Facebook, at Living Word Press, and we'll try to get that answered in the future. Thank you so much, guys. 